Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Talks Podcast right here on Spotify Podcasts. Um, today is another solo day. It's an every other episode thing, so I'm sure you would have gotten used to it by now. But uh, I did, I, I think on the last one I did, wow, that was a loud sound. I think on the last one uh, that I did, it was a music episode. And if I'm remembering correctly, uh, I played music for y'all, like six, seven songs, I think. Um, just because I've mentioned, the reason I did that was because I've mentioned music so many times on past episodes that, you know, I'm into music, I'm into other things, uh, and I've, uh, I believe I've done a Shirley Boy Entertainment one as well, uh, where I talked about Shirley Boy Entertainment and I talked about other things as well. Um, this episode is going to be a specific look at the Heroverse because, uh, you guys may or may not know that we have this universe that we're creating through Shirley Boy Entertainment and really have been trying to create since 2012 off and on. I mean, it's been a long time coming, but we're finally getting the pieces together now to where we can make a genuine, good uh, cinematic universe on YouTube. And I'm very excited to say that we've already begun shooting the very first movie of the reboot uh, for the Heroverse, which is The Hooded Man, starring Jesse Teague. It's going to be outstanding. I, I'm really excited about it. I'm really ready to uh, be able to share this project with you guys. But even more so, some, coming sometime really soon, you will get the very first teaser for the Hooded Man coming out June 2024. Uh, I'm really excited about it, but this episode is going to be uh, complete. It's not going to be about that specifically. It's going to be the history of the Heroverse. So from DNA for me all the way to current day, from DNA to current day, uh, my, 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 uh, love for superhero things, my, uh, compassion and my passion for, uh, the kinds of movies that have influenced me and my style, um, as well as, uh, the people that helped along the way to, to come up with these ideas that co-created a lot of these things 
and the people that are helping me recreate a lot of these things. So guys, strap in. This is going to be a great episode. Another amazing episode of the Adam Talks podcast. And uh, let's go ahead and get started on it. So this is going to be a little bit different than it usually is as far as the podcast goes. Normally, there are several segments um, to the podcast. This one, we're going to have four. And uh, I'm just going to talk in detail about several different things, you know. When I was a kid, um, I, I grew up here in Arkansas. And when I was a kid, I first found out about superheroes from my uh, Uncle Greg, who has passed away several years back, a couple years back. I can't remember exactly what year it was, but it had a big impact on me, and I've said that in, in numerous episodes. But he introduced me to superheroes from the beginning. He was the guy that, he introduced me to a lot of things, but he, I want to thank him very, very much for introducing me to superheroes, because superheroes are um a very big part of me right now and i think that uh everybody should have some sort of a thing that they like a lot you know some people it's tv some people it's movies some people it's art uh some people are some kind of a sport gaming is a is a thing that people are into big time nowadays uh as well as several other things you know um but for me my my beginning with superheroes all started when I was, I want to say somewhere between six and eight years old. And my uncle Greg had a Batman movie. He had let me watch an Adam West Batman movie once. And as a kid, I thought that was just like awesome. It was a mix. Uh, it, looking back at it now, it was like a blend of cartoons and reality. So as a kid, you know, you love cartoons but you want to see it happen in real life. And that was the perfect blend. It was a perfect introduction to superheroes for me because, you know, you got to see Batman and Robin run around and Batman, you know, doing his thing and Robin doing his thing. And looking back now, obviously you could see that it's very light. It was not meant to be a, taken seriously. It was not meant to be a very serious drama or anything of that nature. Like you would get today. It was a, it, more or less, in my opinion, it was a non-serialized sitcom. You know, you saw Adam West as Batman and, uh, my God, Bert. Oh, my gosh, what's his last name? I can't remember his last name. That that makes me so upset. Can't remember his last name. But he played Robin, and you got to see all these people come in. You know, Cesar Romero playing the Joker, uh, Burgess Meredith playing... Uh, the Penguin, Eartha Kitt playing Catwoman, and in other, uh, there were uh, two other versions of Catwoman as well. So, I mean, you got to see all kinds of different characters appear in this show, and it, it tied me in. And I, I asked one day when I was a kid, I was like, can we watch, can I watch Batman again? And he gave me Batman, but it wasn't the same one. It was a darker one. It was a, a more serious one. It was one that I was not ready for and didn't pay much attention to because I was a kid and I didn't want to watch something uber serious. I wanted to watch something fun. And it was the very first 1989 Tim Burton Batman. And it was, it was uh, like I said, something I didn't really pay attention to at the time. But I, I, if, if I look back, I, I really think I should have. 
you know, because it was a really good movie. I've watched it several times. I think that and Batman Forever are my two favorites out of the uh, 90s Batman movies, looking back currently. But also, uh, in that time, my grandma, my uh, mamma, my grandmother, uh, my mom's mom, took me to a grocery store. It may have been Cranford's or Bob's or somewhere like that, but we went in there, and there were VHS tapes, and I found one I wanted, and it was a Captain America cartoon. You guys, I watched that at least three times the same day, and they didn't complain about it. They were really cool about it, but I got to see, uh, that was like my first taste in Marvel, and it wasn't it wasn't like the cartoons you see today. It was a very older one. It was like watching um, the Super Friends. It was that style of Captain America cartoon. Uh, and he was going against the Red Skull and all kinds of stuff. And you got like, it would be like uh, the Red Skull. You know, it would be like, um, let's see if I can do it. He'd be like, you know... The Red Skull will not get away with it this time, not with Captain America being here. And the Red Skull, the Red Skull would be like, Captain America, you will not get away with this. You know, it, it was it was a different time, different kind of thing, because it was, a, it was a VHS tape. It was older. But those were the first two really introductions to superhero stuff for me. Of course, then a little bit later, I was in the, a little bit later in life, maybe 12, 10 to 12 years old, drawing in the kitchen, and my uncle came in, and I was like, you draw something for me. So he, he took the time and drew a superhero. He had the little wings on his uh, cowl, his mask, like the Flash had. It wasn't like the wings, but it was like a... Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to explain it, but he drew this character, no sleeves, black mask, black shirt, and uh, brighter colored pants. Didn't color it in or anything. That's why I say brighter color. Uh, and gloves. And I was like, who's that? And he's like, I don't know. And that was kind of, I guess, the introduction to, to the thought of, you know, I can make my own heroes. Because, you know, you don't really think of that kind of stuff when you're a kid. In my opinion... Oh, well, for me, I didn't anyways. It was it was more or less, you know, uh, you're, you're either going to watch something that's already been made or you're not, you know. Of course, I drew stuff all the time and I'd make little cartoons and doodles and I'd do things like that. But, I mean, it wasn't like in my brain I thought... Hey, I can I can make my own heroes up. I can. He, this is this guy. No, I. Me and my brother would cut out. I'd cut out uh, Batman masks out of paper and put them on my head, and he would and use tape to hold them on. And he would do the same thing. Uh, and we'd make Robin masks, and one of us would be Batman, one of us would be Robin, and we'd run around the living room and we'd play. It was a lot of fun, you know. And then a little bit later. 2000, like around that same time, the X-Men, the very first X-Men movie came out and we saw that and I was like, wow, this is nuts, you know? Uh, by that time, I had already seen Batman Forever and Batman and Robin and 
I was like, this is awesome. You know, there, there are superheroes all over, but I wasn't really a superhero fan. I didn't like go around being like, oh, I can't wait to see this. You know, it wasn't like, oh, X-Men 2 is coming out. I better watch it. You know, it was a lot different than that. Of course, then uh, around the same time, you got the Raimi universe started with Spider-Man and then uh, the Punisher movie with Thomas Jane in it. There were so many really good movies that were happening at the time. And I tried watching as many as I could, but there were some I just couldn't get my hands on to watch. You know, we grew up uh, in a trailer here in Hot Springs. And it wasn't a privileged life. We weren't middle class. We were poor, you know. And in, in a lot of ways, uh, we still still really are, you know. But um, so we didn't get the chance to go to movies all the time. We didn't get the chance to buy movies all the time or video games or anything like that. And even even in playing video games, you know, uh, I did get one video game. It was the Spider-Man game made from the Spider-Man animated series, I believe. Had the same voice actors for all of the characters and all that. And playing that was, it was wild too. It was the first, one of the first games I remember actually beating all the way through 100%. And it was pretty cool. Once you won, you unlocked all kinds of different costumes that you could use on Spider-Man and play through the game again or whatever. And it was just really cool, you know. Um, but you jump forward to 2012. I was 22 years old. And I met this guy named Glenn Lewis. Um, he, he, I don't know if he knows this or not. I don't know if I've told him this or not. I can't remember if I said it in the conversation we had before, but... He's the one that really introduced me to nerd culture as a whole. I didn't want to watch Doctor Who because I thought it looked corny. Whenever he tried it, showing it to me originally, then I went back and I watched it again. I was like, wow. You know, I wasn't a comic book reader, but then I met Glenn and I started watching like all of these different movies and uh, reading comic books with him and learning all of this different stuff that I had no clue about. You know, I first met him when he was working with my ex-wife at McDonald's and he just seemed like a really goofy dude, you know, six foot two, 250 pounds and not afraid to joke around about anything. You know, he's just, he's a really cool dude, you know, and I, I had no clue about, I had no clue that he lived near us that I found out he lives right across the street pretty much from where we lived. So we hit it off and we became really good friends, you know, and me, him, um, my ex-wife and his brother would hang out. We'd have movie nights over at their house or rock band nights. We'd play games and stuff. Uh, they'd come over to our house and visit quite a bit, along with a friend that lived down at the end of the road, Neil Rydlehoover, which I'm going to try to get him on the podcast, and it'd be pretty cool, you know? But I didn't have any idea that this guy would change my life in a way that was, you know, I, I'd say it's a positive thing, because 
if you're not willing to look at things and watch different things and check different media out, you're never going to know what you really like. So I met him and he said thing he'd start asking me questions, you know, you you read any do you read comic books? Do you play video games? Do you what what kind of TV shows do you watch? What kind of movies do you watch? And slowly but surely, he started to get me into this stuff. Uh, have you ever played D&D? No, I haven't. Why don't you play? All right, I'll try it. How does it work? And then he explained it to me. I sat down and played. And in the first game I ever played, I peed on a robot. My character peed on a robot. And I got put in jail. And I was in there for a while, you know. But it was a pretty fun experience. So he introduced me to a different comic universe than I'd ever heard of, and that's Valiant Comics. My favorite character in there is Exo Man of War. I loved Exo Man of War and I love Shadow Man. Both of those guys are awesome. You know, you got other characters like uh, Quantum and Woody, those are the comedic characters in there. Then you got uh, Archer and Armstrong, who are uh, a duo that one's like a younger dude that can. Uh, that knows all kinds of martial arts. And another guy is an eternal figure who, who doesn't die. Uh, there's the eternal warrior who is the brother of the other guy. Um, and I can't remember who the other brother is. There's three of them, um, I believe. But then there's, there's people like Ninjak as well. Uh, a ninja who I think works worked for MI6 or something. It's just a really, it was just a really cool thing finding out about these other comic book companies. So I started just investing money just little bit by little bit. Ten, twenty dollars at a time. Fifteen, five. You know, buying all kinds of comic books. And I found that I loved it. You know, I found that I loved that. I found that I loved D&D. I found that I loved just being able to hang out and have a lot of fun doing whatever it is that we're doing at the time. And that was pretty much my introduction, reintroduction, should I say, to nerd culture. My first introduction to nerd culture and my reintroduction to comic books and things of that nature. Because without any of that, I have to be honest, there would be no hero verse today. So, roughly around 2006, I had an idea to draw my own superhero characters. And the idea was passed from that idea that my uncle, you know, whenever he drew um, that superhero that I talked about just a little bit ago, uh, he, he drew that superhero and, you know... For years, I was like, well, I can draw my own stuff. You know, I can do my own thing. It's no big deal. Um, and I never really did. Well, I, I think it was sixth or seventh grade, 2006 or so, maybe. Um, I went into an art class, and I kind of dabbled in drawing my own kind of things. I had the classic... Uh, like, full leotard, mask, gloved, everything, every part of the body is covered. Hero with fire, like a fiery belt, fiery edges on his forearms for, like, where gloves are, and fire around, fire around 
two eye, two white eye parts, and then fire coming up from, you know, under the chin, and uh, fire for the top of where boots might be, and it was a character that I called Flamian, because I thought it would be really cool to just have a fire character, and I think I made him battling this ice guy, um, and... He looked like, uh, if you were to watch the 1940s or 50s, I want to say 1940s or 50s uh, cartoons, they were just getting color. It may have been 60s, I, I'm not sure. But they were just starting to get color cartoons, uh, and there was uh, an episode of this bear and this guy named Jack Frost. And I, I may be... Uh, I may be wrong or I may be correct. It was either Jack Frost or it was this winter wizard person that Jack Frost was helping this bear get back to his family. Anyway, it was real jaggedy. His nose was kind of jagged. He had like really spiky hair and stuff. And I kind of modeled this character after that guy. And he was he was uh, just dark clothes, um, really sharp edges. And, uh, I eventually came to the name Black Ice for that character. And, you know, I, I just had them battling. I didn't have a story for either of them. I didn't have a backstory. I didn't have an idea of why this character was fire and why this character was, uh, you know, fire or ice or whatever. I, I designed these characters when I was just a teenager, you know, 16 years old, so... I didn't have any ideas of anything. I just thought it was a cool drawing, and I wanted to have my art teacher draw it for me, so he drew it, but he drew it in a different way than I had drawn it. And it was like, oh, this is really cool looking. I'm going to keep it. But it wasn't my idea of what I wanted the character to look like, you know? So, you know, years go by, and it's 2012, about six years later, and I'm over at my house, and Glenn is there, and we're talking about superheroes. And we're talking about ideas for wanting to come up with our own heroes and stuff. And I'll get to another part of this that, that happened before this, a little bit later, uh, after I explain this. But, you know, this came all the way from when I was 16 in 2006, all the way to current, uh, not all the way to 2012, where I, I told Glenn about this idea and he helped me develop a backstory for these characters of why they are the way they are and who they are. So the Flamian character was a mailman that was delivering mail in this high-rise building pretty much. He was just delivering everywhere and in this tall building, I think it was a news building or something, this mailman is infatuated, has a thing for this woman in the mailroom. And I don't remember, they may or may not have been a thing, but I remember drawing really bad females because I was not good at drawing girls. Still, I'm not good at drawing girls to this day. So kind of have a lot of trouble with that sort of thing. So uh, I remember drawing this comic book where Flamian is delivering the mail. And this is before he became Flamian. He was delivering the mail. And 
from what I remember, this window just shatters out. And it's upstairs, and this guy who is flying, I, I don't know if he was flying or if ice helped him get to the window or what, but he came through the window, and he just was like, I am going to ruin everyone's day, for lack of better terms. You know, because, like I said, I don't remember it. And maybe one day uh, I can get Glenn to find this comic book because he has our original hero verse files. Um, maybe I can get him to find the original comic book that we drew for that I drew for it and wrote out and we can do a voiceover on here. If you guys would like that um, for some exclusive content and we can talk about it, you know, a little bit more and the hope for possibly having it in the future. I'm getting off track. He goes through this window, comes through this window, it shatters and he's, talking to these people and he uh i don't remember what the threatening what threat was but he grabs the girl that flamian's character is in love with and he uh he's like i'm going to throw her out the window or something i think that's what his initial thing was he's going to throw her out the window or he was going to do something to that effect. And Flamian is like, no! And he freezes the man's feet to the floor. Uses his ice powers and freezes the guy's feet to the floor. He can't move. And he's trying his best to struggle to break out of the ice from his feet, you know. He's just trying to move his legs and it's not working. The ice is thick. And he he continues to threaten everybody in there. The ice guy does. And as he's doing this, he ends up breaking the ice. And he runs and charges. And as he does, Black Ice is holding Flamey or holding the girl. And Flamian tackles, if I'm thinking right. Black ice out the window, saving the girl's life, but sacrificing his own to do so. And as he's doing that, I think black ice disappears into like uh, a puff of like frozen stuff. And the guy is just falling. And as he falls, he goes into this white screen, like you see on the panels. A white haze. And then he wakes up and he's surrounded by these armored angels. Uh, they look like angels. And they say because he's chosen to sacrifice his life to do something purely good uh, and sacrificing himself for this person, they're going to grant him the power of uh, light in the form of fire. And that he will now be known as Flamian. And he's enveloped in this fire cocoon that you see him in. And he bursts out in the last panel flying a new man, Flamian. And it's it's pretty, it's pretty a pretty cool thing. Uh, Black Ice's origin is that he was somebody that was down really low. And he didn't know how to get out of it. So he made a deal with the devil 
And the devil gave him these powers to make him feel strong, to make him feel powerful. And it corrupted him and changed him into someone else. So that's that's kind of the origins of those two characters. And Glenn helped me come up with those. Uh, from just being drawings, random drawings of a 16-year-old years ago to becoming a full-fledged character for each of them. Um, there were several characters that we had, though, that didn't ever come up come of anything, such as the Protector, a guy who is an archaeologist and finds a suit uh, in the ground. And whenever he touches it, the suit fuses to his skin and blends. Almost like Blue Beetle, but different. You know, it's not a scarab, it's an actual suit. Whenever he touches it, the suit disappears. And he doesn't know where the suit goes has gone to until either somebody attacks them or there's a danger present and then the suit reveals itself on him. And it, it was going to be a pretty cool thing. It was an alien suit. So that's why that, that happened. Um, so it, also in this year, I was talking about, talking about, it was, I was going to uh, talk about this because I, I said I would a little bit earlier. And it was part of the origins as well. Uh, it's part of part of the thing as well, which is uh, Detective and Punchline's actual origins. And guys, this movie was going to be way, 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 way big. Um, and the thing is, you know, none of us have made movies. None of us had done any of this stuff. And as far as I can recollect, only two of us were really actual, uh, you know, stage actors, you know, and, and I was not one of them. So we had these really grand big ideas to make a, uh, a movie. Punch, uh, Detective was the same sort of character that we have now. He was a police officer whose wife got killed. And he is not able to return to work until he gets a mental evaluation clearing him for duty. So, he is working his way through this ordeal talking to a doctor who is let's just say less than a good guy um and there's this psychotic killer named the punchline also his real name is Craig Jones um, but the original plans were that these two guys, like Detective was going to go through a, a citywide manhunt, essentially, and wage war on the crime in the city and a lot of guns, a lot of big effects, an army of people, stuff we didn't have and honestly, stuff we still do not have the money for to this day. Hence why we're doing a lot smaller projects and trying to be as realistic about what we can do as possible. 
So there was this giant plan, and we went and did these these little partial screen tests, uh, filming on a camera, and tried to see if it would work out good. You know, we filmed with Mia's punchline in the original concept. He was supposed to be a Scottish guy, so he talked like this. He was he was very very angry all the time. You know, um, like one of the the original trailer you can go and watch on Monumental Entertainment's YouTube page is still online. You can go and check it out. It's Cindazine Doctor's Orders Teaser. And it's not got any videos or anything like that. It's simply an audio recording. Glenn does the voice of the of Doc and I do the voice of Punchline. It's a session basically where Doc's like uh you know Mr. Jones Tell me what it's like. And Punchline's like, what's what's like? He's like, killing people. And he says something like, to feel the, feel the power to have someone else's life in your hands. The blood. I love it. He was just a unhinged psychopath the way I portrayed him. And, and you know, that's a good thing. It's what you want, but you need motive at times you should have some motive and there was none it was just he was nuts and i think we're going to do a lot better job in this upcoming movie uh next year uh with detective case one to show a lot of this stuff you know a, a little bit after that we had uh made another character called the warrior which if you've watched any of the uh, shows on YouTube or followed any of the Facebook stuff or anything like that, you will have seen the Warrior show was three episodes long. Glenn was the main character, and it was a pretty cool show. You know, it was it wasn't anything super action packed. We were trying to get into the character for those first couple of episodes, which is kind of what we were doing with another show we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, but. The original warrior plans were different. He was going to be a bodybuilder. Someone huge. Someone really jacked up and bulky. And he had a... Uh, he had this... like He had something happen to him. I can't remember what it was. He may have gotten jumped or something. something but... They gave him medicine, and the medicine changed his mental uh, state to where he was able to pretty much have, um, what is it called, um, photographic memory. But also, he was able to retain this information, not just see it once and you know what it is. Retain it to where he can call it back at any point and remember every detail of it. He was a super smart, giant jack dude. And that was the original warrior character. But we kind of changed that up because there wasn't any way in, in our mind that we could come up with the original version of the warrior character. You know, uh, and unless it was just a comic book character, which we were wanting to do movies or shows. So we weren't able to do that with that character. You know what I mean? Um... 
so we changed it up and made it into um made it into a different character the one you see today a soldier who's come home from overseas and finds his city in chaos basically or finds a city being run not in chaos but run by a corrupt system and he wants to change it uh this kind of leads into completely the the thing that we that that we did before our last few steps to where right before where we're at currently and that is you know like i said we wanted to do movies we wanted to do shows and it was a completely different concept for us as far as uh as far as doing things in a different way because we had never really done anything like that i've shot uh, I had at the time I think I had maybe shot one or two things on film apart from wrestling based stuff. So there was not a big amount of things that we could do. Uh not that we could do, but there's not a big amount of things that we could draw from. You know, we only had the knowledge that we had from watching TV, watching movies, stuff that we knew we liked about stuff. And all in all, I think that it worked out pretty good. Um, none of the shows continued fully. None of the shows that we've done really made a huge impact on anything, but it was worth the watch every time for us. And I think in the beginning, whenever we first started with the detective, uh, with the Cinezine movie, um, I think that that was honestly about um that was about wanting to make a big budget blockbuster uh seeing as how we're always we we have always been up until even today really a no budget movie studio uh film studio entertainment company you know, up until even current day, we are not able to put hardly any money into anything. <coughs> because that's life, you know. Um, you, Whenever you get uh, to a certain point, you have to look at the reality of the situation. And if you can't really afford to put money towards things, you can't do it. So, basically, I guess what I'm trying to say is... Uh, we tried to look at what the reality of the situation is. What could we do? And we came up with the Warrior Show first and foremost. So, the Warrior Show was the very first show that we ever did of any kind. And Glenn was the major showrunner for that. He came up with the ideas because it was... The idea of him, I believe it was his idea to make the character into a soldier. And it was a pretty cool thing. You know, we had cast members. Uh, I, I was part of uh, the early cast uh, because we literally had just whoever we could reach out to. And to this day, I'm going to say this again, but it's a lot more people now. To this day, that's still all we have is whoever we can reach out to and get to do this stuff. So, um, it's really uh, important to look through this at a lens that we only had about five people at most. 
that we knew anything about that would want to do any of this stuff. You know, we could talk to people, but there was a high likelihood that they were going to say no. Uh, and like I said, this is the first video project, movie, show, whatever, that we even attempted. Um, so, this was a really different time for us. It was early in, in any kind of production. It was early, uh, like the very beginning in any kind of production that we even thought about doing. So I would say this is 2012, 2000, early 2013, late 2012. We said we want to do a show about this character, the warrior. And we came up with this idea, and you can go and watch all three episodes of this, as well as the next show I'm going to talk about. Um, on YouTube, uh, on the Shirley Boy Entertainment page... Uh, as well as, uh, you know, on, I believe the monumental entertainment page for the warrior, you can watch any of this stuff on any of these things. So it's a really cool thing that you can look at and check out and be able to see. Uh, but the first episode was really, it, it was called, uh, I think it was just called pilot, but, uh, it was, I think each episode was right between seven and eight minutes long. And it was, the warrior comes home and meets up with his old best friend, you know, uh, Johnny Cheshio. And Cheshio was the leader of the Cheshio crime family. He was a guy that was, you know, someone... That you don't want to mess with because he has ties everywhere in the city. He meets up with them and he talks. Uh, and uh, they talk, they catch up for a little bit. Cheshio invites him over to his house to play some, play a game, a uh, card game or something. But uh, the thing about it is the warrior didn't know any of this because he had just got home from overseas. As far as he knew, everything was the same as when he left. He was still just normal Johnny Cheshio. He's just his best friend or whatever. So he uh, he goes and plays cards, and then he ends up having to leave. But before he leaves, there's a guy that tries to take his phone. And as he does, he like grabs it and slides off the table. And as he does, the warrior grabs his arm and says, that's my phone. And he goes, sorry, I must have grabbed it by mistake, puts it back down. The warrior leaves after that. In a different scene, the warrior leaves. And... After he leaves, the door closes, and Cheshio beats this guy to death with a chair. And <clears throat> the next episode shows the warrior trying to adjust to home life. Shaving his head, you know. Uh, yeah, he shaves his head. He uh, cleans his gun for a little bit. And... At this point, he knows that there's crime in his city, and he doesn't he doesn't like it. He doesn't want to see it. So he puts on this leather jacket, and he steps outside, and he's walking down the road and ends up seeing somebody getting mugged, and he takes this guy out. Um, and that's pretty much the second episode. 
But you get a lot of dialogue, a lot of monologuing from the warrior where you hear his thoughts. He speaks his thoughts into existence instead of, uh, instead of just wondering what's going on. You get to hear what he's thinking and stuff. Um, so the next episode is, uh, homecoming part two, cause that one was part one. And in part two, it shows him waking up from a bad nightmare and he ends up going, uh, he ends up waking up and he's getting mad cause he needs to do something about this problem, you know? Uh, oh, I forgot. At the end of the second episode, he meets up with Doc. Uh, you remember earlier I talked about Doc from the Cindazine movies. Uh, from the Cindazine movie that uh, didn't get made. He's a character in this same universe. So Doc and him are talking. And they... Uh, Doc just tells him, you know, it's okay to be angry. You should want to be angry. And there, you need to find... I'm glad that you're finding a way to get these feelings out. Um, and he's just encouraging him in all the wrong ways to continue on this path, basically. Um, but... Um, then... He wakes up from this bad dream in Homecoming Part 2, and he gets mad and starts realizing he has to start training himself a little bit more and getting ready to go back out. So he gets up after this nightmare. He shadow boxes. He does push-ups. He does uh, other things and ends up calling Cheshio because at this point still he doesn't know what is going on with Johnny. You know, he, he doesn't know that he's a bad guy. And I believe at the end of it, Johnny says something incriminating after he gets off the phone or something. I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember. But that's the three episodes that we have of The Warrior. It's a pretty cool watch. It, it doesn't all add up linearly um, as far as the look of the character. Because the first episode, he has hair. The second episode, he shaves his head and his face is shaved. And the third episode, he has no hair and he has a full beard. So the look kind of changes drastically from episode to episode. And that's okay. It happens. Uh, the other show, uh, but it's still, uh, what I will say about The Warrior is it was the first project we had ever done. And by the time we got to the third episode, I had already done either the three episodes of The Hoodie or uh, and other projects, or I had just done the three episodes of The Hoodie. Uh, but we... Uh, We'll, we'll go ahead and talk about that. The Hoodie was an original character. Uh, one real quick thing before I continue on the Hoodie. Before I start on the Hoodie. The Warrior is a really interesting character. And I can't wait to explore the Warrior. Uh, and I will talk about this a little bit later. But I can't wait to explore the Warrior more in the movie that's going to be coming. Um, I'm hoping by 2025 it'll be we'll be able to work on it and have it ready and go for it. You know? But, um... Really good character, really awesome character. Um, then we go to the uh, the hoodie, which is a guy. Uh, the original concept for the hoodie was uh, Caleb Cross and his brother Lucas Black uh, are, are younger, and you know uh, they have this. Uh, Lucas's dad, Jackson Black, 
is a uh, guy who is a part of this gang called the House of Cards. And they watch Jackson commit a a uh, mob-style execution, point-blank, guys down on his knees, and he shoots him in the head with this gun. Uh, they see him do this, and it changes both of them. Lucas is a little bit more craven, goes a little bit more off books, off the edge, where he he's, like, violent. He he's I like to compare him to the Red Hood uh, from DC Comics, uh, whereas... Caleb is more or less like Nightwing would be. So you have these two guys that go in completely opposite directions. Years later, you get a guy, you get Caleb in this costume, in this hood. And I'm really explaining the first episode, um, which I believe I titled Origins. And you see Caleb in this, uh, you see Caleb in this, uh, forest looking environment walking through the woods and he walks up on this trailer where there's somebody leaning out looking in this gas mask, uh, looking mask. It's like skull. It's like a skull with a gas mask mouth part. And he, um, He's talking, this gas mask guy is talking about how everyone in Spa City is dead anyways. You know, you'll never stop me kind of thing. The next thing you see is uh, the hoodie punching, Caleb, or punch, Caleb punching this guy in the mask named Toxitonic. Uh, he gasses people and kills them. Um, but <clears throat> he punches these people in the, he punches this guy in the face the screen goes to black. He gets information from him on where the Grim King is and hacks into this security footage where the Grim King is interrogating this guy and about to kill him. So you get to see this guy in a mask who looks completely different than anything that, you know, I could imagine, you know, um, uh, it's like a hockey mask, but it's, it's different. It's futuristic looking and almost gives the, the view of a skull kind of. So the grim King, uh, is talking to this guy and intimidating him and telling him what's going to happen. Caleb puts the computer down and as he puts the computer down, there's somebody standing in his house with a bow and arrow and, they have this fight scene, and it's not good, guys. If you go and watch the first episode of the Hooded Man or the Hoodie, the fight scene I'm going to tell you ahead of time sucks. It, it was sped up in parts to make up for uh, some of the not ama- some not amazing looking choreography. Again, this is still pretty early in my filmmaking career, so. I was not taking the time to explain things. I was like, this is what we're going to do now. Here, here, here. And I didn't take the time to kind of make the fight scene look realistic. So, uh, whenever you watch that, just think about that. It's very clear that it's an early project. Everything else in the episode looks great, but the the in-fight scene, not good. The second episode, he... uh, 
I don't remember what the second episode is even called. I think it's called Man with the Bow or something. But the uh, the uh, uh, he he gets a call on his phone and he answers it, and it's this guy telling him to meet him in the gorge, and he goes and meets him, and it's the same guy that he fought before. Um, and he talks to him and the guy says, you know, I can help you. I've been doing this for 10 years in this city, uh, fighting crime, trying to stop the house of cards. Uh, we can help each other kind of thing. And, and, uh, Caleb tries to fight back and say, I can, I can do this by myself or I don't need your help or something like that. And the other guys, uh, says, Clearly, you showed me that the other day. By the way, the other guy is played by me. Uh, his name is, the character's name is Crosshair, Bart Askew. And he's an archer in the city that's been fighting crime silently for like the past 10 years. So he's in there and he's telling him, hey, you know, I can help you, but you got to let me, you know. And then he says at the end, I got somewhere you can stay if you need to. And he goes, no, I think I know somewhere. Caleb says that. So at the end, you hear his final line of dialogue is, I know exactly where I'm needing to go. I'm going home. So in the third episode, uh, which I, I don't remember if it, I called it Homecoming or not, um, but I think I did. <clears throat> he comes back through the woods and enters in the place where the show started, where his brother's, where his and his brother's punching bag still hangs. And they're able to fight, uh, they're able to, uh, he's able to, you know, he gets, he sits down, he starts putting his gloves on, and after he gets those on, he gets up and he starts to punch the bag a couple times, and as he does, his brother walks up from behind and says, you know, your, your form still sucks, I can help you with that if you'd like, and they hug each other and Whatever they do, they have this little sparring thing where Lucas tries to teach him some self-defense stuff, and Caleb's like, okay, okay. And Caleb's the younger brother here, so he's he still looks up to his brother in a certain way, I'd imagine. Um, and after something, uh, after, after they're fighting for a little bit, Caleb says, uh, I've learned some things too, and he goes, swing on me, you know, try to punch him. And so Lucas does, and Caleb ducks the punch and takes him to the ground. He offers to help him up, and Caleb says, no, I'm good, you know, get that thing out of my face, you know. But <clears throat> they work, they punch the punching bag. Uh, Caleb starts punching the punching bag, throwing knees and this and that, and there are flashback sequences showing them when they were younger. And by the end of the episode, Caleb says, do you want to go on a walk? And Lucas says, sure. So they go on a walk, and Caleb reveals to Lucas that he is the hoodie. And that's the end of the three episodes that we had for that. So, I mean, <clears throat> I think they were put together very well for the early production of this stuff. Um, and I think that it helped along the way to make the new, the newer stuff that we do have online for the Syndazine saga. Um, and it, it was something that I definitely needed to do along with the warrior work to be able to 
you know, make compelling stories and stuff. And if you watch it and you think it's not very compelling, you know, everybody, everybody has an opinion and it's not a big deal. Um, I still find the episodes cool to watch at times because it's different. It's unusual. It's, it's something that, um, it's something that you wouldn't normally see in a show. And and that's what I think I find most interesting about it. It's a different take on, um, heroes. Excuse the background noise, guys. I am making me something to eat while I'm doing this, so. Uh, I'm, I'm hungry. So, that's what you're hearing. Microwave. But, going going back into um, what going back into what, uh, what this movie helped to do, it helped to reimagine the Cinezine saga. Because it's something that I've been wanting to do for a while, is make Cinezine Doctor's Orders in a really good way. So I think the way that we did it with the first go around, we did three separate movies, Punchline, Punchline, The Detective, and Doctor's Orders. All three of those put together makes the Cinezine Saga. And whenever we did that, whenever I did that, I thought it looked really good. I thought it was really cool. I thought it had a lot of potential to be something people would want to watch. Um... The thing about it is people don't want to watch slow-moving stories. And that's something I don't think I realized until a later point in life. And I've been working every day to kind of try to fix that, you know. So the thing is, um, the thing that I've, I've learned, I guess, through all of this is that you got to keep the story moving. You got to have elements of action in it. You got to have elements of sadness. Um, you know, you got to have a bunch of different things to make a good movie. And the problem with the original uh, movie that we came up with in 2012 was it was too big. The problem with the movies that I've made since then that are online, The Punchline, The Detective, and Doctor's Orders is that there wasn't enough going on in those movies. So I I descaled it too much, essentially. And that's something you definitely don't want to do. I think that if I would have made them uh, more action in them, if I would have made it less plotting, less slow-paced, it would have worked out a lot better. Um, Here's the thing about it, though. We were still, and still are, as I've said before... We, we were still and still are in a position where we got to ask people to be in the stuff. We don't have money to cast. We don't have a way of being like, hey, everybody, just come and get in, get in on this movie. And if we did, I don't know that I'd be able to man a ship that's huge. You know, uh, I would love to try. But so with the first movie, the Punchline movie, right, we had a guy who was in his 50s or I think 50s, maybe 60s, playing the punchline as an older man. And also, he was the same guy, played him in 
the detective movie. And it, it, it really hindered us from being able to do a lot of high action sort of scenes, you know. It, 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 it hurt us in a lot of ways to have him in there. He has since passed, God bless his soul. But it, it hurt us in a lot of different ways having him as our main villain. Uh, the other part was I wrote out his origin story for Punchline. And I liked the way it was told, much like the Joker movie, as an unreliable narrator. I liked that about it. But I didn't, I guess, looking back, I didn't really like the fact that it was as slow-moving as it was. Because I didn't realize how slow it was until I watched it again. Um, and it's only, a, each movie is about 10 to 15 minutes. Um, which is a lot different than what the movies we're making now are. We'll get into that a little bit later, but... Um, so the Punchline movie was very slow. It showed a lot of walking, and there was a non-stop... Uh, there was a, a nearly non-stop monologue over the top from uh, the Punchline's point of view of everything that's happening, him telling his story, and there wasn't any action in the Punchline. There was no action. It was all walking, sitting, and observing this character. And that that sucked the life out of the Punchline movie. The detective movie, <clears throat> there was a lot of, uh, a lot of watching him uh, try to figure out what happened. Um, you know, uh, his partner dies at the beginning, and it's you read you read what happened on this text, uh, black backdrop, white lettering. You read about his partner dying and about him getting taken off the force. A slight variation uh, from his wife to his partner. Um, you know, uh, he's a police officer. His partner that he rides around with went into a building. Before he could get in there, his partner died from stab wounds. Uh, so... His partner ran in there, and he took his time like you're supposed to do. So he he went. Uh, he's driving, and he's having an appointment with his doctor over the phone. His doctor's talking to him about all this stuff, and then he's driving. I think the detective movie suffered from similar things as the Punchline movie. Punchline had a lot of walking, a lot of sitting. Detective movie has a lot of driving and a little bit of walking and some investigating. And then he ends up getting stabbed or cut in the side, I can't remember which, and sewing himself back up. But by the end of it, you see him grab this this helmet and these guns unloading weapons, and he says, you know, it's time, it's time. The thing that was good about the third movie, Doctor's Orders, is we were able to recast the punchline character because the guy had started going into bad health. So we recast punchline and the one and only Jesse Teague, um, played punchline for doctor's orders. And it was a much better film. There was a lot more movement, a lot more, uh, detective detective was investigating throughout this movie doing detective work punchline was killing people with a knife you seen him talking to bodies off screen you know you've seen him doing all kinds of moving that we couldn't get from 
the original person who played Punchline. And then at the end, there was a fight scene, and it was a really, really crappy fight scene, um, just like the Hooded Man one, or just like the Hoodie one. I keep saying the Hooded Man. We'll get to that after a little bit. Just like the Hoodie fight scene, there was p- parts that were sped up. There were parts that were cut. It was just not a very good fight scene. And if you go back and watch these movies, you will see everything that I'm talking about now, all things that I've learned about since then. Uh, and I'm improving on writing scripts for other things. The only time any of that kind of stuff will happen, slow plotting stuff, is whenever it's part of the script. Uh, I'm not going to redo anything like that. But at the end, the punchline ended up getting taken in. You know, you hear police sirens and the punchline is uh, taken away pretty much in the credits roll. But... Um, you don't see the punchline get taken off. You see him laying on the ground. You hear the police sirens as the screen fades to black. So it's in, it's uh, inferred that he got taken off to jail. Um, but that leads to the final thing that I'm going to talk about before we get into what's going on currently in the hero verse. And that is the hooded man. We have made two separate versions and neither have made it online. Uh, and the reasoning is the first one was like eight minutes. So that's not worth putting online as a movie. The second one, there was a casting malfunction. We had problems with the guy playing Blackjack in this movie. And there were several problems that happened off, uh, offset and onset that we needed to rethink what we were doing. So that never came out, and that one was about 15 minutes. I could still watch it today, but it's not the same as uh, whenever we first watched it. When we first watched it, we thought, dang, damn, this is a good movie. But then we rewatched it after all the stuff happened, and we were like, I can see where we could improve nearly everything on this movie. There was a fight scene in it that was pretty damn good but everything else not so much um there were elements of it that i liked uh and i'm not going to give away the story even though the story is significantly changed so the first the first story was literally you see a guy walking on a trail he gets jumped on from a tree by the hooded man um and then he asks if he's dealing drugs in a city, and he knocks him out. And then we see all of these goons out in out in the woods, um, carrying firearms and stuff. And we see the hoodie take him out one by one. Then we see uh, this final guy get taken out, and the hoodie I think just yells out, "You know, where are you, Blackjack? I know you're here, or whatever." And Blackjack walks out. He's in a mask. And the hoodie takes him on in a fight and ends up getting the best of him and telling the telling him to tell his boss, the Grim King, that he's coming for him. And that's literally the whole movie. So it's one long extended fight scene. And it's alright. It's not amazing. Um, the 15-minute movie has Caleb Cross as part of the House of Cards gang. So he's actually a member of the House of Cards gang in the 15-minute version, undercover pretty much, trying to get see what's going on behind the scenes and being able to uh, stop 
stuff from happening if <clears throat> uh, if he's able to keep it low key. Um, so we see at the beginning of the movie, we see uh, nearly an identical version of the opening that we did already. You see this guy walking. Uh, you see a drug deal happen. You see a guy walking through the woods. And then you see him pull a gun out and he's looking around. And then he walks down this other trail off deeper into the woods and he gets jumped by the hooded man or the hoodie. Uh, he leaps from a tree and he jumps onto his back. Um, and uh, he, he does the same thing. Are you selling drugs in my city? And he ends up knocking the guy out. Then we have the opening credits. After the opening credits, we got... Uh, we have a scene where Blackjack is, like, talking to his men, saying we have to stop this hood, uh, from interrupting or whatever, uh, basically the, 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 uh, it's implied that the hoodie has been messing up everything for these guys, and they have to stop him for the House of Cards and for the Grim King, so... The hoodie, uh, we see the hoodie watching from the trees, and he's looking at all these guys, and he jump. Uh, he ends up taking them out one by one, like he did in the other one. But it's a little bit more intricate. You get to see the guys a little bit more. You get to see that they're different people. It's not just showing their backs like in the original one. And he takes all them out, and he has a fight with Blackjack. After he takes a walkie-talkie from one of them. Blackjack, uh, one of the guys says, Blackjack, he's here. You know, we need you. Where are you? And he gets taken out. And Blackjack's like, what the hell is going on out there? And he says, I'm here, Blackjack. Come find me. So Black, it shows Blackjack leaving his house or whatever, the base location, going into the woods. And they have a standoff. And at the end of it, they're fighting. And they have this pretty cool fight scene. I'm not going to lie. It's a pretty good fight scene. Uh, the way that it's done and the way it's edited together and choreographed it looks pretty all right um and i, I i'm still gonna say to this day we could do much better but uh they have this really cool fight scene and the hoodie ends up coming out on top after getting taken down during the fight scene you know and uh, at the end of it the grim king comes on tv the hoodie without his get up caleb cross is talking to blackjack in the car and blackjack's like you know uh, you know, uh, he's like, if you think, uh, he's like, oh man, it looks like you got you pretty good or something. Blackjack's like, you, th uh, this is nothing. If you think this is bad, you should see the other guy. And he says, whenever we get in there, let me talk to the Grim King. I've, I've spoke to him before. So they get inside, they have to give their weapons up. They sit down on the couch and they're watching this TV and the TV comes on and it's a guy in a skull mask. And he, uh, he's basically like, you're pathetic, you know. You haven't been able to stop this guy, and I've asked you time and time again, so I'm taking over, effective immediately, I'm taking over this part of the south side of Spa City. Uh, and a guy takes Blackjack out of the camera. It's implied that he's killed. Uh, the, the Grim King tells the hoodie that, you know, he's going to speak, he wants to speak to him later, so... 
the scene changes. You see the hoodie asleep in his bed, and his phone rings. He wakes up. He answers it, and uh, it's the voice of the Grim King. He says, hello, Mr. Cross. We need to talk. The post credit scene shows the uh, hoodie and uh, shows Caleb and the Grim King at a bar talking. And the Grim King has his mask removed so you can see his face now. And they talk. And the Grim King makes the hoodie his number two. His, his, uh, like, he answers to no one but the Grim King, basically. So, um, he asks at the end, how are you going to help me stop this thorn in my side? And you just see Caleb smile because he is the hoodie. So the movie's plot was pretty good. The acting by the guy who played Blackjack was not great. The 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 hard time we had with him on set and offset was not a good thing. So all in all, we wanted to do a better version of this movie, which is where we're at, you know, currently. So we we went through all of this stuff to get to where we are currently. And the current position right now that we got going on is June next year. The very first movie, full, uh, not full length, or not feature length, but full length movie. Uh, for us, it's 30, 30 minutes to an hour. Anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour is a full length movie for us. So the first full length movie Coming June 2024 is The Hooded Man, where you get to see Caleb Cross make his return to the screen. And it is going to be, by far, the biggest project we've done to date. Um, it's it's going to be a lot, of, a lot of work. We've already started on it, and we're filming... Usually, we're filming... One to two days a week. So we're trying to get it done as quick as possible, as good as possible. That way we can have everything we need done by June for it. And we're hoping that we can get a teaser for y'all out sometime in the near future before the end of the year. Um, it's a really interesting look at this character in a completely different way than we've done before. Um, there are going to be elements of the, uh, I, I want to say there will be elements of a little bit of the original and the new, the newer stuff that we've done throughout it, but it's going to be entirely a new thing. Um, there are going to be little touches though that call back to the original stuff. The Hooded Man character, Caleb Cross, is going to be a different, uh, have a different personality because... I'm not the only one that's writing it this time. I'm not the only guy that's came up with ideas for what we should do, what we can do. And I'm not the only guy shooting it uh, as far as finding different, unique looks for things. Um, alongside me is the man himself playing the character of Caleb Cross, the hoodie, Jesse T. He's helping me write it. Uh, we're, we're doing this, writing it together. We're looking at it together, reviewing the footage, and we're working on what we need to fix throughout because if we're being honest this movie is going to be something uh this movie is something that 
I personally have looked forward to since I first started uh, the hoodie way back in like 2016, 2017. Um, from that point to where we are now, the character has changed drastically. He started with a brother. Now he doesn't have a brother, uh, or at least when we don't, or at least we don't know if he has a brother or not. Um, as far as this character goes, we started off having um, the Grim King, and there wasn't uh, there was Blackjack, but it was uh, going to be. Jackson Black, the stepfather of Caleb Cross and the father of Lucas Black. Now, Blackjack is a completely different character. Um, you know, it's it's going to be a very different look at this character, is what I'm going to say. It's going to be something that is completely unique to what we're doing uh, in this new era. So, not only are you going to get to see the Hooded Man movie in June, but also late that year, November, December area, the detective movie will be also being released. So, we'll have two out of four Heroverse movies planned. The other two planned is the Warrior movie, which we're hoping will be able to come, like I said, way earlier when we were talking about the Warrior in 2025, but also in 2025. We're hoping to be able to have the first team-up movie in our history, and that will be the Ground Control movie. Ground Control is uh, the hooded man, or the hoodie, as as um, people will come to know him at a later point. Uh, the hoodie, the uh, the detective, and the warrior all teaming up to work ground-level threats. Anything that threatens the city uh, that is ground level, that is not like uh, powers involved or, you know, it, it would be in a sense like if Kingpin and the Joker and uh, the Riddler and uh, maybe like Bullseye or something all teamed up. They're all ground level. They don't have powers or superhuman abilities or anything like that, but they all have a massive impact whatever on, in whatever they're whatever they're doing, you know. So it would be something similar to that kind of a threat. Ground level team going against a team of heroes that uh, want to help make a, this a better place, essentially. So. I'm looking forward to this in a very big way. Um, I think that this is going to be the best version that we have of these characters for... Uh, I mean, it, it's currently going to be the best version that we're going to have of any of the characters. Being able to see them for who they are. Being able to feel them as far as their emotional uh, emotions and everything else. It'll be a really cool thing to be able to watch. Um, and I'm really excited for you guys to have the chance to view this. But that is about the size of the Heroverse as of current day. Guys, don't forget to check out uh, the Nerd Talk podcast, either coming soon or already right here on Spotify Podcast. Myself and Glenn Lewis will be doing this weekly 
It is going to be a fun ride where we talk about all things nerd. If you love this episode and you love the episode with Glenn already on it, you're going to love the Nerd Talk podcast. So I'm very excited about that. Um, Also, if you haven't already, share this podcast, like it, uh, subscribe to our 99 Cent program where we're going to start having all kinds of exclusive content specifically for our Spotify fans. It is going to be awesome. I cannot wait for more to come for you, uh, for you to be able to check out more. And as always, never, ever forget to listen when Adam talks. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day.